This is Covenant Presbyterian Church Men's Bible Study. This study is for Wednesday, April the 1st. No fooling. Wednesday, April the 1st as we continue our study of the letter, or we might say the sermon to the Hebrews, and we are in chapter 11. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word of truth, your word of power. We thank you that in your goodness and mercy and love, you have provided for us a sacrifice sufficient for the sins of the world, that is, in your Son, Jesus Christ, who by his blood has made a new and living way into the most holy place so that we may draw near with confidence by his blood and to seek your grace and mercy to help us. So Lord, we, we ask you to bless us now as we study your word. And during these days, may we truly be those who do not shrink back, but live by faith unto the preserving of our souls. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. Okay, gentlemen, well, if you listen to last week's recording, you know that I began into Hebrews chapter 11 really with a preliminary address focusing mainly on what faith is not. And to recap that, I said that faith is not blind. The, the idea of living by blind faith is a misnomer. It is a misunderstanding. It is a mistake because it is Christ who opens our eyes. Really, the Scripture says that it is the God of this world, Satan, who has blinded the eyes of, of those who uh, are capped, captivated by unbelief. But Christ is the light of life, and we, we walk in His light, and we, we see uh, the promises of God in Him. And so uh, faith is not blind. And also faith is not merely a matter of positive thinking as it so often is thought of in our um, uh, American culture. Faith becomes faith in faith. Or faith becomes a matter of optimism uh, propped up by willpower. And so I spent a lot of time last week uh, explaining that faith is not merely a matter of positive thinking or positive psychology. Now, let me, let me clarify this um, because I, I don't want anybody to be confused. True biblical Christian faith certainly can lead to a positive attitude 
Of course, true Christian biblical faith certainly can lead to a, a positive attitude. Um, but that's a byproduct. And it's important that that positive attitude be absolutely grounded in the promise of God. So let me give you, let me give you kind of an illustration. I, I used uh, an illustration of the, of the interview with Joe Burrow. Uh, and I, I really loved it. And, and um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the interview. That's what I mean by that. And remember I said that in this interview, uh, Joe Burrow gives an example of a, of a good, healthy confidence, which is a good thing for people to have. It's not the same thing as faith in Christ. It's just a good, healthy confidence. And so when the ESPN interviewer asked him, Joe, if I had told you two years ago, two years ago, if I had told you that you were going to win the SEC championship, you were going to win the Heisman Trophy, and you were going to win the national championship undefeated 15-0, and what would you have thought? And without blinking, Joe said, I would have believed you. All right. Now, I thought about that some more, and I want to. I want to go. I want to. I want to. I want to put that in a in a in a in a healthy way for a biblical perspective. So, I want to ask you, gentlemen. I want to ask you, uh, Charles and Mike and uh, Brian and. Uh, whoever else is out there listening, right? I want to ask you, if 2,000 years ago, God had told you that His sinless Son was going to die on a cross for you, and that by placing your faith in Him, you would have all of your sins forgiven, you would stand before the bar of God's justice with the same righteousness that Jesus Himself stands on, with the same righteousness as that of Jesus Christ, that God the Father would love you just as He loves His own Son, Jesus, that you would be adopted as God's own son, as, as an adopted son of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and as an adopted brother of Jesus Christ, you, you would share, you would be an inheritor, an inheritor, an heir of His glory. If God told you that 2,000 years ago, what would you have thought? And the correct answer is, I would have believed Him. You see the point? That, that, that's, that's faith. That's, that's where we believe what God says. We believe what God has said. What more can He say than to you He hath said? To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. All right? So faith 
biblical Christian faith is believing what God has said and ordering our lives according to it. Now, let me, let me go on. I want to do one more thing about this, um, this uh, relationship between true biblical faith and, if you will, positive psychology or positive thinking. It can produce a positive attitude. In many ways, it certainly ought to produce a positive attitude, but not the positive attitude that's just looking at life through rose-colored glasses or just trying to, you know, just necessarily trying to find a silver lining in a, in a kind of overly idealistic kind of way. Because, if, for example, if you take Romans 8, 28, favorite memory verse, for we know that, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him, who are the called according to His purpose. Right? God, God causes all things to work together for good. We love that verse. We quote it all the time. And, but brothers, it doesn't mean, you know what? It does not mean that your flight is always going to depart on time and you're always going to make your connection in the Atlanta or Dallas or Houston airport and everything's just going to be hunky-dory. That is not what that means. God causes all things to work together for good. It doesn't mean, you know, that the stock market's just going up and 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 up just because you bought a certain stock. It doesn't mean that. In fact, and this is the importance about reading a verse in context. What that verse goes on to say is that all things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose, to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose, that we might can be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That's, that's the working together for good. So that we be, we become more and more conformed to Jesus. We become more like Him. But guess what? The passage continues in Romans 8. And being conformed to the likeness of His Son involves what? It involves suffering. It involves suffering. So you see the all things working together for good, very positive, you know, it's a very positive outlook. Outlook. God causes all things to work together for good. Well, that's true. But it involves suffering. If, when we read that in context. And it, it, it continues on at the end of Romans 8. You really ought to read all of that all, all together. Because, you know, it says... Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Well, that doesn't sound very positive, does it? That's very realistic. Suffering, persecution, even violent persecution. But, verse 37... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's the promise of God. We place our faith in that. It certainly gives us a positive outlook, but in order to get to the really positive, you've got to go all the way into eternity, eternal life, beyond death, beyond suffering. So, again, true biblical Christian faith is not just an optimistic outlook just because we want to be optimistic. It's rooted in the fact that whatever suffering and evil befall us in this world, God has already conquered, and, and we will be victorious in, in eternal life in Christ. So let me give you an example of this. The relationship, I'm still talking about the relationship between biblical Christian faith and uh, positive human psychology. Now we all know that, for example, this is going to be very real for some of you. It's going to be very real. We all know that a positive attitude is very helpful and very healthful for cancer patients. You know, I think there's research that's been done and any doctor will, will tell you, yeah, have a positive attitude, have a fighting attitude, have a winning attitude. You go in, you know, you're, you're going into cancer treatment, chemotherapy, radiation, whatever it may be, and you're going to... We're going to have a positive attitude. You go to you know, a really good cancer center and everybody there is bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and bright-faced and everything is positive and everything is positive and everything is positive. And that's good and that's wonderful. And there is a connection. There is a psychological, psychosomatic, if you will, that is body and mind connection. A positive attitude probably um, boosts your immune system. And, and just helps you get through it. It's a lot better than being depressed. So all of that's very important. But, but the reality is, you know, a, a non-Christian, a non-Christian can have that kind of this world positive attitude. Right, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat it. We're going to think positive. We're going to think good thoughts. We're going to focus on the positive. We're not, right? A non-Christian can employ that same kind of positive human psychology and pro prob probably gets, you know, clinically speaking, if you can measure it, you know, equally good results just because that's the way God made our minds and our bodies to work together. Okay? So that's a good thing. But the Christian view takes it a step further. This is what I want you to see, the difference between positive thinking, human positive psychology, and biblical Christian faith. Because the Christian can say this. You know what? I'm going to go in this with a, with a positive attitude, and I believe that God, 
I believe that God can, can heal my cancer. I, can be, I believe that God can heal my cancer. And I'm going to be calling on God to heal my cancer because I want to I continue to live on the earth to serve Him. I want to continue to live on the earth to help mentor my grandchildren. I want to continue to live on the earth to be serving in my, my church or helping out in the community for the sake of Christ in a certain way. I, I, you know, I've got more to give, and I believe that God can heal me from this, heal me of this cancer, so that I can have more life to live, more opportunities to serve Him on the earth. But if not, but if God chooses not to heal me, I die. And I depart to be with Christ. And that is better by far. Now what I just did was a paraphrase of Philippians chapter 1. Those were essentially, in a, in a figurative sense, in a paraphrasing sense, in an elaborative sense, that's, that's just what the Apostle Paul said as he was contemplating his own death. Right? I want to go on living on earth. I want to go on serving. I want to be delivered from this prison. I would prefer not to have my head cut off right now. But, but, actually, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. To live is Christ. Christ is my life. I want to go on living for Him on earth. Christ, to live is Christ. To die is gain. To die is gain. So you see, there's the difference. There's the difference between simply having a positive human psychology and a true Christian biblical faith. Because only a true Christian biblical faith can take you to the point of but if not, with a positive attitude. Now that phrase, but if not, you know, comes from the book of Daniel. You remember the three? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. What'd they say? Our God is able to deliver us. But if not, it doesn't matter. We're not going to bow down and worship that idol. Our God is able, but if not, meaning if He chooses not to deliver us, doesn't matter. We're going to be faithful to Him. Because they had the promise of the everlasting kingdom of God. They were living by faith. Now, I hope that is helpful. I, didn't, I hope none of what I had said was confusing to you like I was uh, against positive, a positive attitude because I'm not. But um, uh, I just wanted to say that our, our, positive, our positive attitude must be rooted solidly in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, the promises of God. All right. So now we're going we're gonna to go on and get into Hebrews 11. 
And um, here we go. Verse 1. Now faith is the assurance or the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. People of old uh, refers to the Old Testament saints, that is the Old Testament believers. And uh, Hebrews 11 is going to walk us through a catalog or a uh, hall of faith uh, list of Old Testament believers. That's, that's, um, to, that's, those are the people to whom this is referring. And they received their commendation, their commendation from God. And by the way, this list, <clears throat> it's, it's kind of interesting the way the author to the Hebrews sets this out. It goes from, first of all, from creation all the way up to Abraham, and then from Abraham to Moses, and then Moses to Christ. And it's, of course, addressed to believers in Jesus. And so here's a point that's important, very important. This, this catalog of Old Testament believers that he's going to walk through, the point is, these were they who lived by faith. These were they who lived by faith in the promises of God. Uh, as in chapter 10, verse 28, my righteous one shall live by faith. And, and so that's kind of a theme. The old, these are Old Testament saints, Old Testament believers who lived by faith in the promise of God. Likewise, the first century Jewish Christians to whom the letter to the Hebrews was written or to whom this sermon was preached, you see, they, they are to see themselves as part of this, this great list of people who live by faith. They're to see themselves as being connected to them, as being in the same family with them, because it is the family of God which is divined by those who live by faith in the promises of God. One people of God, from the Old Testament into the New, it's the same. Same way that people are saved. People are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, right? Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. In the New Testament, it's the same in the Old Testament too. It's just that the Christ had not yet appeared, but they believed in the promise of His coming. They believed in the promise of His sacrifice, which from their vantage point, would be offered in the future to cover their sins. So it's all about faith in the promise of God, the promise of God centralized really in, in Jesus Christ. All right, now at verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Well, he's picking up on where he started right back there at verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, Genesis 1. And God said, and God said, and there was, and there was, right? Genesis 1. 
By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So God created all things ex nihilo, out of nothing. God created all things out of nothing. Not out of things that already existed. So the, the point here is, look, you believe that this whole magnificent world and universe was created out of things not seen. So it shouldn't be very difficult to believe <laughs> that there are things not seen, that, there, that there's an invisible world, right? We have a visible world. It wasn't created out of pre-existing stuff, so why should there be any difficulty in believing that there is an invisible world with spiritual realities? And there is, a, there is an invisible world with spiritual realities. Okay, now the first one to be mentioned is Abel. By faith, and what this, by faith, and every time that, that phrase occurs, we ought to put in a little parenthetical, uh, parenthetical uh, notation. By faith in the Word of God. By faith in the promise of God. By faith in the command of God. Right? Is, is what this means. By faith in the Word of God, that is, in obedience to the Word of God. Now, for Abel, it wasn't written. It was spoken. It was spoken. But it, it was a revealed Word of God, nevertheless. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. He testifies that God accepts worship which is offered in true faith. Now, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? There's two principal reasons. First of all, Abel offered... A, an animal from his own flocks in a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. And I think we're on solid ground in saying that he understood that he needed to offer a blood sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb from his flock in order to approach God in worship for the covering of his sins. How would Abel have known that? How would Abel have known that? Well, Abel would have known that. Abel would have known the need for, the, for a sacrificial blood sacrifice in order for him to worship God properly. Abel would have known that because his mama and his daddy would have told him 
because his mama and his daddy told him the story of when they sinned and they were naked and they were ashamed. But God, but God, but God did what? God clothed them with the skins of an animal. Genesis 3, 21. First blood sacrifice ever offered was offered by God to clothe Adam and Eve, to cover the shame of their nakedness, right? You know I love that passage because it's Jesus right there, right there with Adam and Eve, clothing them, being, being put forward by God himself as a sacrifice for their sins. They told Abel about that. Abel believed. Abel believed. And so Abel offered a blood sacrifice, the best, the, the first and best of his flocks. Cain took a shortcut. He, he did not offer a blood sacrifice, and he didn't even offer from the first fruits of his garden. He just gave, you know, he just kind of went through the motions. He just checked the box. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to go meet with God and I'm supposed to bring some kind of a sacrifice. Maybe this will do. Right? Dress up, show up, check the box. It won't do. It won't do. Okay. You get that? But the point is, and I, you know, I can't preach that sermon on every one of these people that are listed here in chapter 11, but you get the point. Abel believed. He believed the gospel and he, he, the, 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 that Adam and Eve had told him. And, and so he acted accordingly. That was his expression of faith. Faith in the promise. Faith in the word. Faith that through the, through the blood of a sacrifice he would be accepted. And so he, he offered that blood sacrifice. All right, verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So here's Enoch, this character who's, who walked with God. This is before the days of Noah. He walked with God and he was not. We don't know any much more about him, but he walked in fellowship with God. He communed with God. He, was, he pleased God. How did he please God? He pleased God by his faith. He simply believed God. He walked with Him. Which means he trusted his word. And in those days, right, this is pre-scripture, when, when Enoch was walking, right? This was before Moses ever wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and so forth. But Enoch had this special communication with God, and he believed God, and that was pleasing to God. God rewarded him in an extraordinary way, that one day Enoch went on a walk with God and he never went back to his little hut. He just went on to heaven. 
We don't know how that works, but it did for him. And it's, uh, I think it was a pointer way back then. Way back then, it was a pointer. It was a pointer to the reality. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? And he who believes in me shall never die. Whoa. So, you know, we're going to die. Our bodies are going to die. But I imagine that, you know, if, if we're united to Christ, we will never know it. <laughs> we, all of a sudden, we just won't be here. Right? Just all of a sudden, we're not here anymore. You ever thought about that? Now, other people will, you know, they'll, they'll see you'll be dead on, the, your body will be dead on the table and they'll put you in the ground and all that kind of stuff. But for you, it's, you're going to kind of be like Enoch. If you're walking with God in Christ, believing in Christ, believing His Word, all of a sudden, here you go, you're just kind of going along and then one day, you know, and whoop, whoo, where, whoo, I'm not, whoo. You're just not going to be there anymore. You're going to be in heaven. And Enoch, I think, is kind of a little pointer to that. Okay, who's next? Let's move on. <clears throat> it, it, but, but by the way, it does say, without faith, verse 6, it's a great verse, without faith it is impossible to please God. So, let's think about that a minute. What is pleasing God? What is pleasing God? What is pleasing to Him? Well, you could say, well, it's, it's pleasing God for us to obey Him. It's pleasing to God for us to worship Him. It's pleasing to God for us to um, love our neighbor as ourselves. That's true. But you know what? Uh, what's underneath all of that? Underneath all of that is believing His Word. That's where it starts. Believing what God says. And then you align your life with it. So it's the believing God, believing God. That's, that's the faith that pleases God. And you know how this is in your own, you know, you tell somebody something and you know it's the absolute truth. I'm talking about whether, you know, you're trying to explain to somebody about how to get from here to there. I'm not talking about spiritual stuff. You're explaining somebody or you're explaining somebody how to, uh, a work of a piece of machinery or, or you're trying to explain to your child how to work this math, you know, and they just won't listen to you. You ever have that frustration? They just won't, I just don't believe you. You know, you just want to take them and shake them and say, why don't you believe? I'm just telling you the truth. Why don't you believe me? It's very displeasing, right? Very displeasing. When you know you're telling somebody the truth and you're trying to be helpful to them and you're just trying to explain something and for whatever reason, they just, they just refuse to get it. They just won't get it. They're obstinate. They don't want to admit it, whatever it is. And you're just done all you can do for them and they don't believe you. Not very pleasing, is it? It's much more pleasing. Much more pleasing when people believe what you tell them what you say. Then you can have a relationship with them. Then you can walk with them, right? Okay. That's Enoch. 
And it is, it is without faith, that's the beginning point, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists. And not merely that He exists in the abstract, but that He, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, all-wise, He exists, He's real, and He's active, and He, he is interactive with you who believe in Him. He rewards those who seek Him. That's a wonderful motivation. He rewards those who honestly seek Him and who seek to live by faith in Him, believing His Word and walking, living according to His promises. Yes. Very encouraging. Very encouraging. Now, for another example, by faith, and what this means is, look, by faith Noah, it doesn't mean by faith, meaning, you know, with a good attitude and hoping for the best and looking for the silver lining around that big dark cloud. By faith, you know, he, Noah did his best. That is not what it says. It says, by faith, that is, by faith in God's Word. The Word that God spoke to Noah. By faith in the promise of God. The promise that God spoke to Noah. By faith, meaning even obedience to the command. The command that God gave to Noah. It's all about, do I believe what God has said? Noah got it by way of special revelation. We get it by way of the special revelation recording in the Scripture, recorded in the Scripture. By faith in God's Word, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, there it is, unseen, it's in the future, Noah hadn't seen it, Noah couldn't prove it, but it was revealed to him by God's Word in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. That's verse 7. He condemned the world, meaning he, he by his faith in God's word, and the work that he did all those years in the construction of the ark for the preservation of his family and a remnant of the animal kingdom, he went against the grain of the world, right? Eating, drinking, carrying on in a world of sin, and there's Noah. There's Noah. And, a ma and think about the, 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 the scorn and the ridicule and the mocking that was heaped upon Noah. Think about the laughability of what Noah was up to, right? And that would have, that would, there would have been a lot of pressure on Noah to kind of give it up. Give it up, buddy. You, you are on a fool's errand. You, you are on a fool's errand. 
Whatever word you think you heard, it can't be trusted. That's no different from somebody saying you can't trust what's in the Bible. They'll mock you today just like they mocked Noah in his day. Okay, so what are you going to do? It's the same thing you see that was going on in the first century. And that's what the author to the Hebrews, the preacher to the Hebrew Christians, you see he's trying to make this connection. Hey, 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 hey. You think you're under pressure? People are making fun of you? Because you've gotten, you're following Jesus? See, and they're saying you're off your rocker? Well, guess what? That's exactly what they said to Noah. That's exactly what they said to Noah. Was God's word true to Noah? Yes. Is God's word true to you in Jesus Christ? Yes. So there's this, this whole theme about, you know, persevering against opposition and adversity and persecution, not going back, not giving up. That's right here with Noah. Likewise, by faith, verse 8, very important. I don't even know when I started. I think I've still got some time. By faith, by faith in God's word. By faith in God's promise. Okay? Because, because Genesis chapter 12 tells us that God spoke to Abram and called him to leave his country and his kindred and to go to a place that he would show him. Well, that's God's word. It came by special revelation to Abram. But brothers... That word of special revelation, is, it, that's what we have in the Bible, okay? People say, oh, I wish God would speak to me the same way he spoke to Abraham. Why? You, you've got a lot more of God's word, and you've got it in a book, and it's preserved for you, and it's, 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 it's been preserved, you know, for thousands of years, this is it. It's translated into a language you can read and you can go back to it. I mean, think about Abraham. God said it to him one, one time and then he sort of re repeated it a little bit later, but it was sort of like Abraham was like, well, you know, was I dreaming this? Did I imagine it? You're a lot better off. Don't say, oh, I wish God would speak to me the way he spoke to Abraham. Oh, I wish God would speak to me the way he spoke to Moses. Don't say that. Don't say that. All Scripture is God-breathed. Thy word is truth. You've got God's revealed word written in Holy Scripture that you can read and read again and read again. We have far more of God's revealed word than Noah and Abraham and Moses had. Way more. We're in a lot better position than they were. Plus, we have the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. They were looking through a glass darkly. They were kind of trying to put the pieces together from various prophecies. 
It's all, been, it's all come together for us. We're living in the light of day. And so we're called to trust in His Word and live according to it. Okay. By faith in God's Word, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. What a verse. What a verse. He went out not knowing where he was going. But you see the point? He had the assurance of things hoped for. He had the conviction of things not seen. He was going to a place he had never seen, but he knew that he was going there because God had called him there. Get that? He went out, not knowing where he was going, but he was going by faith in the promise of God. By faith he went, by faith in the promise of God, by faith in the word of God, verse 9. He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Right there, it tells us that Abraham, when he went out to the earthly promised land, he went looking for an eternal city. And what's really interesting, brothers, we're going to get to this later. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But you understand, you understand that the only piece of the promised land that Abraham could ever call his own was his wife Sarah's tomb. He didn't become a big landowner in the promised land. Now you think about that. He didn't become a big, a big landowner in the promised land. The only piece of land he owned was a tomb. Hmm. Now you just think about that. Think about that. Because the, the letter to the Hebrews chapter 11, is gonna, it's going to comment on that a little later when we get to it. By faith in God's Word, I'm at verse 11, by faith in God's Word, by faith in God's promise, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered Him faithful who had promised. Since she considered God to be faithful who had promised. That is a beautiful, beautiful definition of faith. She considered God faithful. She considered Him faithful who had promised. You see, that, pro that proves this whole thing. That When it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, it's by faith in God's promise, by faith in God who Himself is faithful. 
By faith in God who himself is faithful. By faith in God's word because God is faithful to his word. That's how you got to read this. I'm belaboring the point and I hope I'm not boring you. But I'm really trying to drive this home. Brothers, when you talk about faith, make sure what the object of your faith is. It's God's word. It's God's promise. And here's a wonderful note. I just, I just love this. There's so much grace. There's so much grace in this, in this verse about Sarah. Because you remember Sarah? When, when, the, when the angel of the Lord, who was probably a manifestation of the Lord himself, you know, the three men, the three men who appeared at the tent, at her tent, and told her that she would conceive... What does the scripture say? She laughed. Ha! <laughs> ha! An old barren woman never born a, bore a child in her life. Now even past the age of childbearing, even if she'd been able to bear a child, she was way past the age of childbearing. But she was a barren old woman. And they come, the three come and say, you will conceive. <laughs> are you kidding me? Do you know how old I am? Do you know, you know, I've never been able to have a job. What? Yeah. She laughed. But that's not mentioned here, isn't that? That's a sweet grace, isn't it? Her initial unbelief is, is just not mentioned here. She's commended. She's commended. For her faith. I think that what shows us is this. After her initial unbelief, she repented of her unbelief. She repented of her unbelief. She changed her mind. She had her mind changed. And she believed. She believed promise of God. And so it was by her faith in God's promise that she received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Beautiful. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead. Abraham was 100 years old at that point. Him as good as dead. I mean, he, that, that old fellow wasn't worth much. <clears throat> Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Which is, of course, what God had said to Abram. Look up. Your descendants shall be as many as these. So, now, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. There it is. Abraham never really became the... He didn't really enjoy life in the promised land. He didn't become the big landowner of the promised land. He didn't even see his children or his grandchildren established in the promised land. 
Those promises did not come to their fulfillment in his lifetime. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, Ur of the Chaldees, they would have had opportunity to return. They could have gone back. They could have gone back. Now look, I want you to hear that in light of the, the first century Hebrew Christians. You see? Now, and here's the connection. This is making a connection between Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the first century Hebrew Christians. Because Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they lived as strangers and exiles on earth. That's how the Hebrew Christians were living in and around Jerusalem, in their own homeland. In their own homeland, they were now living as strangers and exiles. You get that? And the same is true for you. The same is true for you and me. Right here, now, in this historical moment, in the United States of America. Well, sometimes we Christians are made to, be, made to feel as though we're strangers and exiles. You know, if you really get out in the, 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 the culturally elite, right? And the, the people who control the media and entertainment, you know, the whole thing, right? Ah, and we want to fit in. And so there's the pressure. Abraham and Sarah might have thought, you know what? How about let's take Isaac? How about let's take Isaac? And, 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 and you know, let's go back home. We'd be more comfortable there, right? First century Jewish Christians, hey, hey, maybe we better give it up. Maybe we better go back to the temple. Maybe we better go back. Let's go home to, to our families and let, let's, let's give it up. Let's, let's, let's give up Jesus. And let's just go back to the way things were when everybody was happy and we were all getting along and we could do our thing in the temple. They'll, they'll take, they'll, let's go back. Let's go back. Same thing for you, right? Hey, you want to fit in? Got to fit in with the uh, social in-group, right? Hey, don't be a religious fanatic. Hey. You know, hey man, don't talk about you know religion. Uh, no, no, don't do your witness for Jesus. No, 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 no. Let's just you know, we'll just kind of play it cool here, and we're gonna fit in. Let's just fit in with you know the establishment culture, right? Don't 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 don't, don't talk about that Jesus deal. Don't do that. Don't do that. Shh, shh, shh. Right. You're a stranger in an exile upon the earth, right here in Washtenaw Parish. Don't, don't give in though, right? Why? Because you've got a home. You've got a home. You've got a city whose builder and maker is God. You've got a better country. Verse 16, as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Don't go back, go forward. Don't go back, go up. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Yes, an eternal city. We're marching to Zion, right? An eternal city, an eternal home, not made 
with human hands eternal in the heavens. Okay. Now, the author or the preacher swings back around. He's going to pick up Abraham again. Verse 17. By faith in the word of God. By faith in the promise of God. By faith in, that is to say, obedience to the command of God. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises. There it is had received the promises, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Now you remember the story, right? Finally, Sarah conceived and bore a son, and they named him Isaac, Isaac, which means laughter. It's a nice, really poetic kind of turn right there. Because she had laughed at first, well, her laughter became really joyful laughter, not cynical laughter, not unbelieving laughter, but really joyful laughter. <laughs> I've had a baby. We're going to name him Laughter. I'm so happy, I can't control myself. I just laugh all the time. I had a baby. God is great. God can do anything, right? It makes me laugh. So they named him Yisak, Isaac, which means laughter. And he was the son of the covenant. Of, he was the heir of the covenant promise. So the covenant line of God's Old Testament people, God's old covenant people was going to follow through Isaac. And he was their only son. That ought to ring a bell. Only son. That ought to ring a bell. Only son. Well, you could say, well, Ishmael was there. He was Abraham's son. Yeah, but he wasn't the son of the promise. Ishmael was not the son of the promise. Ishmael wasn't Sarah's son. Ishmael, Ishmael didn't come forth from the womb of a woman who can't bear a child. That ought to ring a bell. That ought to ring a bell. Isaac is the son of a woman who wasn't able to bear a child. That ought to ring a bell. A woman who can't bear a child? Well, it might be an old barren woman like Sarah. Or, got it? It might be a virgin who had never known a man. She can't have a child. Can she? Got it? Only son. And God said to Abraham, 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 take your son, your only son, whom you love. Read it, Genesis 22. Abraham, Abraham, take your son. Your only son, whom you love. And sacrifice him on the mountain, I will show you. By the way, brothers, you've heard me say before, and I love to say it, I love to say it, I love to say it. Do a computer word search of the Bible. 
find the first time the word love, L-O-V-E, occurs in the Bible. Time the first time the word love occurs in the Bible. It's that verse. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him. First time the word love ever occurs in the Bible, it has to do with the sacrifice of an only son offered by his father. You can't make this up. I mean, if, 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 if you're not feeling goosebumps while you're listening to this right now, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what, what we're going to do with you. You see this? This is the, it's the gospel right there. But, it is, but, what, but what did Abraham do? If Abraham goes and sacrifices his son, that's the end of it. Right? That's, that's, the, end of it. that's the end of Isaac's life. That's the, the end of God's covenant promise. That, that, that's the end of Abraham's descendants. That's, 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 that's just the end. Right? No, not. Because why? Verse 19. He considered that God was able. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Ding, 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 ding. That ought to ring a bell. He was able even, God was able. He considered that. God was able. He believed that. God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Yeah, I mean, he, he, it, it was as though he had been raised from the dead because when they got up on Mount Moriah, you remember what happened, and Abraham went all the way back. His hand was cocked back and that blade was in the air and he's about to come down, and the voice from heaven speaks, Abraham, Abraham, do not harm your son. And Abraham looked, and there was a ram with its horns caught in the thicket, a provision. The Lord himself will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. The Lord himself will provide, or the Lord will provide himself, as it is sometimes correctly translated. Substitutionary sacrifice. Ram with his horns caught in a thicket. Gospel of Jesus Christ. Abraham was a believer. You see it? That's faith. And it all started because Abraham believed God's promise. He believed his promise. And, and while I'm here and I'm... I'm just sort of wrapped up in this, 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 this marvelous, wonderful, incredible uh, picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you, you remember it's going to take us now back to Romans 8. We've got to go back there. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll stop here today, about at an hour, I think. When the Apostle Paul says, What then shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Brothers, you see that God did what Abraham ultimately was not required to do. Abraham's offering up of Isaac was a picture of the gospel, but it stopped short of the reality because that substitute was provided, the ram with its horns caught in a thicket. But Jesus was, the, Jesus was that ram with his horns caught in the thicket. That's the point. When it got right down to it, in order for God's covenant promises to Abraham to be fulfilled so that you and I, Gentiles, could be grafted into the covenant people of God and share in the everlasting kingdom of God, God did not spare His own Son so that you could have your sins fully and freely forgiven as the letter to the Hebrews has been telling us over and over and over again. So, so that you could have a new and living way into the most holy place in God's holy presence. So that you could be assured of the forgiveness of sins and your life everlasting. So that you could, be, you could know yourself to be a member of the family and household of God. In order for all of that to be true and real for you, God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. Okay, brothers. Um, we're still in lockdown for the... the end of April. We're going to continue these Bible studies weekly, God willing. And um, I, I want to encourage you to press in now. Press in. You got, you got some time. You're not doing some stuff that even in your retirement, those of you who are retired, there, there's some stuff you're not doing. You've got more margin. You've got more margin in your life right now because you're not doing social stuff. Um, so I want, you to, I want you to spend more time in your Bible study and I want you to spend more time in prayer and I, I want you to draw near, draw near, press in and, um, and, and press on uh, and, and, and seek the Lord and be encouraged by His Word, brothers, and... and uh, and pray for those who, who need your prayers. We're still praying for Jimmy Woods and, um, and others whom you know, I'm sure, now. And we're going to know others as time goes by. Going to need our prayers. Pray for our uh, authorities, president, uh, his team, governor and his team, military, the medical staff. My goodness, 
our medical personnel need to be lifted up in prayer daily, daily, that God would renew their strength, carry them as on eagles' wings so that they uh, uh, walk, run and not be weary and walk and not faint as they care for people. All right, so I hope this is helpful. And uh, send me an email to give me a word of encouragement. If it was helpful, uh, you're welcome to send me uh, your questions. If I've said something that's confusing to you, uh, you know, please, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to interact uh, with you if I can be helpful to you. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you're, you would bless and keep us so that we can serve you upon the earth. We pray, Lord, for those who are suffering all over the world and from our own community here, those whom we know and love and, and, uh, and their family members. And uh, Lord, build us up in faith and build up your church and, 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 and bring about great and remarkable uh, conversions of people who have rejected you all their lives now turning to you and crying to you for salvation through Christ. May it be real, and may it be for the glory of your name. Amen and amen.